Hey folks, welcome to another episode of uh, NQAT Game Club. Today we're going to be talking about Barcelona 3, Manchester United 3. The second of those three all draws, I realised, well I was told because I'd forgotten this, that when I said the Barca United 3 all from the group stages of the Champions League, should have specified which one. Yeah, I mean the first game at Old Trafford was interesting. Didn't it Didn't it have a Lee Sharp goal early on and the Sharpie shuffle came out and... All of that. Really? Was was he still at the club in 1998? I have no Maybe idea. Maybe I'm another game against Barca. I don't know. I didn't check this out, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It feels like it feels like Lee Sharp left United in about 1993, but I know that's not actually no. the case. Um, the uh, the three-all, the first three-all at Old Trafford was extremely notable because it was the Champions League debut of one Xavi Hernandez. Um, because his didn't manager decided that was his debut. He was very young. Yeah, looking. yeah. Not so. Uh, the one we watched, he was now an established member of the team for at least eight weeks or whatever it was between those two games. Um, talking very young looking, of course, Barcelona's manager at the time, a very familiar face, but a, a sort of fresher version of a very familiar yeah, face. Yeah, but uh, on the bench with his big tactics book and notes clearly visible to the camera with formations and stuff on it, which is kind of, kind of interesting. I was like, oh, Lee, you haven't changed. Classic, classic Louis. Also classic Louis, uh, Lou Van Gaal is a football terrorist. Like, I kind of have incredible affection for him, but I was annoyed all over again watching how good Rivaldo was in this game about what Van Hal did to Rivaldo and then all the other players that fit into the same mould for many, many years to come. Yes. Yeah, you, you forget that about some uh, people associated with Barcelona. It's supposed to be the beautiful game, but, I mean, Van Hal, of course, didn't, it wasn't Barcelona that made his name. In fact, it was a disastrous period for him at Barcelona, but, uh, you know, on the Dutch conveyor belt. But, um, yes, not always friendly with... Um, well, both South American talent, a little oddball of Louis there, but uh, and also talent, talent or um, eccentric talent. Uh, Jose Mourinho went through the same sort of production line as well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. It's an interesting, it's an interesting correlation. So this is obviously this is not the disastrous period at Barcelona. In fact, he 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 wins some stuff during this this period. Uh, he wins. La Liga in 97-98 and 98-99 and the Copa del Rey um, in 97-98. So they win the double the season before this and they did win the league this season. The disastrous period is when he comes back and that's a complete flop. Mm. Um, and I know all this off the top of my head, although I just checked it because you sounded confident. That always worries me because of the number of times I've looked at Louis van Gaal's Wikipedia page during the Bleach Report years. It, it worries you when I look confident. Great. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Paul. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, if you're, if you, yeah, no, if you're know, saying... <laughs> anyway, um, so this is a 98-99 Champions League Group D. This is the fifth match of six. Uh, it was all, in, all to play for at this stage. So United go in the sixth match of six, draw with Bayern, Bayern top the group. Barcelona end up third. This is a group made up of United, Bayern, Barcelona and Bromby, who Manchester United scored 20 goals in this group, although 11 of them were against Bromby. Six were against Barcelona. uh, Barcelona. You know, Bromby beat Bayern in the first uh, leg of this, which kind of set the cat right among the pigeons. Um, But so I think 
um, unless I've got my maths wrong, before this game, Barca had four points uh, in the group because they had drawn with us and beaten Bromby once and lost to Bayern twice. United were currently on top of the group at this point um, with eight points. Um, uh, But Bayern... Uh, so United were in a much worse position than Barcelona, who still had Bromby to play for. So if we'd lost this game to Barca, we'd have been big trouble needing to get at least a point against Bayern, which we did. But perhaps that was a bit more yes. of a dead rubber than it would have been otherwise. Yes, so. Right. Yeah. Um, United in uh, in the tournament having finished second in the league the year before, obviously, to Arsenal. Very good Arsenal team. Um, and uh, this is the first time that a non-champion or previous winner had gone on to win the tournament. Um, oh, previous winner of the Champions of League. Of the Champions League or European right. Cup. Yeah, so it was one of the first or maybe the second season in which non-champions were allowed into the Champions League. Right. Um La Liga de Campeones, as it was repeatedly called on the Spanish commentary that I watched. Barca TV version that I watched of this. I was slightly surprised it wasn't Catalan commentary, but maybe in 1998 we weren't quite there yet culturally. Um, the uh, So a draw knocked Barca out. It's interesting because the last game we um, watched was a win that was effectively a loss. This is a draw that's effectively a win. Um, well, you said it, we'd only be uh, talking about wins in this, so we're going to have to we're going to round on Fergie for this one. Awful draw, <laughs> awful. Putting United <laughs> under pressure, really could have gone for it. No. Um, interesting Barca side, though. I mean, you'll be familiar with all the names in the United side, of course, although some interesting tactical picks. Um, Barca side, you know, this isn't a, the greatest ever Barca side, but the front six, very, very good. The back five, yeah, not not so awesome. Um, and the no. interesting kind of tactical setup because um, although a lot of the tactical boards have this as basically a four three three for Barca, they actually move to a three at the back quite a lot of the time during the game. With Salades effectively moving into midfield, um, and then in three midfield are Xavi, Giovanni, and Zenden. And you couldn't tell where any of those guys were playing. They're playing in midfield, but it's so flexible. And, and Figo and Rivaldo supporting Anderson. So, you know, it's kind of modern. United, basically a straight Not up 4 4 2. Yeah, York <laughs> yeah. sort of a little bit deeper. But often he plays the, the target man. And Andy Cole in this game was coming deeper than I kind of remembered him doing. And was at, he's actually very good at it. Not something I remember Andy Cole being strong at <laughs> but um he no, had a good and, performance um, we're gonna game. yeah so for bonus content we're going to talk about the for patron backers we'll talk about the york and cole partnership through through history and i think one of the reasons we don't remember andy cole being an amazing link-up player is because it really did only happen for the most part with dwight york that their, their understanding is extraordinary and um before the amazing amazing goal that they scored there are a number of times where york uh, Cole, sorry, knocks the ball towards York and then spins around the defender back, you know, spins back around the defender, that kind of give and go immediately. 
is his it's a go-to move and he does it really well it nearly comes off a few times yeah the united side all very familiar uh blomquist is in for gigs i guess gigs is rested or injured he's not on the bench he must be injured must he's be not injured. on the bench yeah. yeah um the rest of the midfield familiar wes brown at right back and gary neville having his ass handed to him at central in central defense um uh, wes brown i guess must be very young yeah, I mean, he's he's in the team a reasonable amount this season because he's one of the few, relatively few. He's one that you wouldn't think about when you think about players who are in 08 and 99. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. But but he's definitely starting to come through. And, and as Fergie so often does when players are coming through, a new centre-back coming through is going to play a lot of games at right-back. Although... The decision to play Wes Brown at right back and Gary Neville in central defence is not proved to be a well, it's particularly proved to be a disaster. One, one minute in, <laughs> in which a poor old uh, I mean, some awful defending. Is is it keen with a defensive header? Um, poor defensive header, and then Neville just gets twisted in and out by Sonny Anderson, um, who finishes really well. But I mean, Neville's looking a bit silly there. He's kind of chasing his own tail, basically <laughs> running around circles and uh, just nowhere near the, the the forward. Yeah, he's he's sold. Well, it's interesting because in the last game we watched, Wes Brown got sold a bill of goods by Ronaldo. Here, like Gary Neville's, like, where do I sign for this bill of goods? As soon as Anderson gets a ball, he does, he gets tied into knots and kind of can't really blame him given that it's the first minute of a Champions League game where he's playing at centre-back. Um, United were coming off a 3-1 loss away to Sheffield Wednesday, which had been their first loss since uh, that 3-0 loss to Arsenal that we talked about in the the Arsenal game episode. Um, and I kind of assumed when I saw the result on the Wikipedia page um, I, that must have been a, he must have rested a lot of players and stuff with this big game against Barcelona. It's exactly the same team, except Phil Neville's playing in for Wes Brown. So at that point, that's arguably a stronger team that's just lost to uh, to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, United, it's very difficult. I find it very difficult. I was kind of reflecting on this a lot watching it. What to say about the overall nature of this game? So like, Arsenal semi, that was very much like United were on top very much in that game. The the 91 game had kind of distinct ebbs and flows of teams on top, but United again on top for large parts of that game. This one, I have, I have no real sense of what was happening structurally and meaningfully for most of this game. It all felt quite mishmashy. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, um, definitely some poor defending and some great goals. United, I felt, got completely battered for the first 20 minutes. They just couldn't keep the ball, and that was yeah, the problem. No. Um, you know, trying to... What interesting thing, I think if you... I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, you put that team in today's modern game with a different manager, maybe, or evolved Fergie. I think they play in a different way and they try and keep the ball, but they're, they're constantly looking for a cutting edge ball, the through ball, the killer pass, pass into the channels, and they're just not able to retain the ball. And uh, Barca and just know, keep when... coming at them. There's a goal in the first minute. There's a Rivaldo shot after seven. There's a volley from Xavi just wide after eight. Um, there's um, the Barcelona players running with the ball all the time, which actually, in one sense, puts United under huge amounts of pressure, but 1v1, they actually dealt with that quite well. So 
say. So this is exactly what I was going to say. You know, when you say United are struggling to retain the ball, what you think of when you think of like Manchester United versus Barcelona and Manchester United are struggling to retain the ball, you think of Barcelona finding it very easy to retain the ball and passing it constantly and recycling possession endlessly and draining United in that kind of Guardiola death by a thousand cuts way. But despite the fact this is a Van Hal team, this doesn't look anything like latter-day Van Hal because... No, no, it definitely doesn't, no. They're looking for the cutting edge as well, um, but they've got players who want to dribble with it. That's Zenden, exactly what I was going to say. Van Bronckhorst, Rivaldo, Anderson, they all want to run with the ball. Yeah, it, it, immediately as they get it, and that happens time after time after time again. And the one exception to that, funnily enough, is Xavi, who Xavi looks like he's been transplanted from... 15 years into the future when he was or 12 years into the future is part of like the best team many of us have ever seen the best club side any of us have ever seen he's doing exactly the same thing give and go pass and immediately move into space it's just that football hasn't caught up with him yet basically he's no uh, true um javi does a bit of rolling around later in the game but he's not the worst culprit for that so i have uh, in my notes here uh, rivaldo falls over a lot figo falls over a lot they all rolled over and over a lot. I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Figo was bad for this. I mean, there's, he goes on this blinding run early in the game where he beats Blomqvist and then Irwin and puts in a fantastic ball and there's no one quite you know, there to get it. I was like, guy's quick, skillful, great player, great player. Um, I mean, he played in the game we talked about on Thursday against Real Madrid. Um, but man loves, loves a dive. And loves rolling around on the grass even more than he loves the Unbelievable. Dive. So uh, Blomqvist is uh, booked for the softest yellow card you've ever seen in your life. Like the referee's trying to move the wall back and he's booked him within seconds of trying to move the wall back. It was outrageous. And later on, when Blom- Blomqvist commits minor GBH on someone, he doesn't get a second yellow because the ref's clearly a bit like, mm, maybe that was a bit shabby. But um, even softer than the yellow card is his attempt during that run you've talked about. Because he beats Irwin first, and that's a like a really good bit of skill. Blomqvist, he just walks past. Like, Blomqvist is just tearing in, goes for a sliding tackle, and Figo's like, you know I'm here, right? In front of where you've just slid tackled behind me. It's a late tackle that's so late it misses the player as well as the ball. Yeah. I mean, and that's all part of that first 20 minutes. There's a there's a really great chance for Anderson as well, um, uh, just just before the equaliser, um, where he's through 1v1 and Schmeichel saves. I think there's three 1v1 saves from Schmeichel in this game. Yeah, uh, two of them with his right knee. Yeah. Like both, like that, that classic Schmeichel star jump that makes him... And, you know, he is so quick between on the line and on the 18 yard on the kind of 12 yards out from his goal making it almost impossible oh yeah to commits score. all the time unlike i mean he's kind of opposite of de gea in that sense i mean de gea is not going to commit in those situations at all he's happier on his line and then he'll make the save or sometimes mm. he, he gets caught out by not doing that but uh yeah he's uh he's always taking the aggression to the attacker uh, yeah, yeah, I've loved watching his last few games with uh, Schmeichel in goal. Miss him, miss the, him. The throwouts, the throwouts, they're just, they're special. But yeah, um, and then it's really against the run of play, out of basically nothing, Bromkiss finds York in a bit of space and it's kind of a bit like the Ronaldo goal for Real in that he just 
does the keeper by shooting early, but it's not with pure power. It sort of reminded me of like a bowler bowling a slower ball, kind of like slightly tricks the keeper. Um, and there's a bit of deceptive pace, of deceptive precision on the shot, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, ball inside from Blomqvist, it's a, it's just a pass. It's not really a through ball or anything like that. And and one turn from York and fires it into the near post. And I guess the keeper's not thinking he's going there. He's taking it really early, right into the corner. It's a nice goal. It's a nice goal. And, you know, it didn't deserve it, but, uh, you know... Celebrated well. There are only 67,000 people at this game in a hundred odd thousand stadium, which is interesting. Yeah, you can I guess, see it. you know, Barcelona's still in it, but they didn't turn up for this one. But uh, a few United fans there. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a moment uh, in the second half where Beckham takes a corner, and I got like actual legitimate goosebumps, not from that particular corner, but from David Beckham standing in the new camp taking a corner in front of United fans. Pretty, pretty exciting. Yorkie with a brilliant bit of skill tries to beat three players. Nothing comes of it. Um, Figo then has a shot, which talk about Schmeichel. This is maybe Schmeichel's most amazing moment of the game because he does this weird sort of scoopy save from Figo, um, which is very reactive, and then dives forward at the ball to like punch it or flap it out of the way of an onrushing, I guess it was Anderson, um, coming towards the ball at high speed. It's an amazing sort of double save, basically. Yeah, and there were before, just before half-time, a couple of chances for United. Um, Beckham cross, York headed over. Perhaps could have done better, long way out. Um, shot from Skulls, blocked. Um, that's about it, but, you know, a couple of decent... There were definitely uh, quite a few... I mean, I think it was 11 shots Barcelona had had by half-time, but United had five or six so it's open the thing that i noticed was that united just looked a much better team when they started to play rather than rather than hit everything long it looked like actually if i'd been like doing this at the time probably would have been like why do we keep trying to knock it long all the time we look really good when we get the ball down and play we've obviously got the players to do that um skulls and Keane and beckham and york and cole and Blomqvist too, to an extent. Like it, it was a, it was sort of, it didn't seem to be playing to our strengths to, uh, to hit the first time ball all the time. Although the goal that Barca conceded, that first goal, maybe Fergie thought that would play to their weaknesses as much as anything else, because uh, they really did look very weak. So have just before half time, Figo rolling around again. He's really a bit pathetic. And then later, Xavi rolling around on the floor. Giovanni rolling around on the floor. Um, <laughs> just this- I got. A- I got to pull you up on that particular Figo one because I think you might be talking about um, him rolling around on the floor after being absolutely clattered by one Royston Keane. So you know, I um, I barely touched him, ref. I uh, I said about Keane in the two thousand and three game. It was unbelievable watching him kind of make basically buy a dive from Figo by looking like he was going to hair in after he'd given the ball away and then but actually like being incredibly composed and putting an inch perfect tackle i now realize why figo dived out of the way because it was muscle memory because king gives the ball away really sloppily gets really angry and just absolutely hairs into figo <laughs> um, so he did exactly what we praised him for not doing deserved it 
So at halftime, who's the happiest? I mean, I, I guess Barca are well on top, but it's one all, and Fergie would take that for sure. Absolutely, and and I think um, the the weakness that Barcelona have shown at the back, um, and the fact that United have kind of uh, defended well for the most part one on one after the absolute disaster. Even Gary Neville's grown into the game a little bit, although he's kind of a liability for that chance we talked about with Schmeichel running out. He he has a much better second half. But I think I think Fergie might have thought kind of, well, this is a bit risky, but we're, we're sort of getting the job done here. We hope you're enjoying the No Question About That podcast. We are open for sponsorship, so if uh, you run the kind of business that would be interested in sponsoring our show, just drop us an email at qatpod at gmail.com And United came out really well in the second half. Beckham Cross, uh, York, chance, nice turn, smashed it over. Probably could have scored from that one. Long range shot from uh, Skulls, just wide. We've seen uh, long range shots from Skulls against Barca going, haven't we? And uh, and and that's all before the goal. And the goal is just a thing of beauty, isn't it? Amazing. So 53rd I mean, this is... minute this is. And um, it's, it's, it's not just a... Because you all see the 1-2 goal and that's imprinted in your memory. But there's about 25 passes before that. Yeah. United looking much better when they play the ball. Like This is exactly what you'd have been kind of hoping would happen in the second half. And maybe Fergie said at half-time, hey, by the way, you are good at football, you know do a bit of that um and it was it was Keane that plays the ball through Keane who doesn't have a brilliant game actually it's the first Roy Keane game I would say not a bad game but it's he's not a dominant influence in the game but he has a really important role to play here plays the ball into York who steps over comes back to Cole who knocks it back into his path and spins round uh and York finds Cole and Cole scores and it's absolutely totally and utterly magnificent sweet and it, yes i this mean is if you're listening to this, this and you haven't seen that goal in a while go for the full the full build up and just yeah one one of I, I don't know whether it's in the top 10 united goals in europe or anything like that but it's uh it's yeah really really nice Lead didn't last for very long though did it um <laughs> oh no, it did not free kick one big p Big Pete, mate. Yeah. Well, he's done, I think, by Rivaldo going the wrong way with a free kick. So, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's to his near side. It's the side that he's probably expecting the wall to protect. So it's it's on the, the nice side for Rivaldo to hit this, although at quite an angle, um, 30 yards from goal and just hits it really sweetly. But I, I think he's thinking that Rivaldo is going the, uh, the other way. Um, oh, it definitely is, but hey, come on. And so come what's on, that? Mate. Two all. Two yeah. all, and uh, Two there's all. another great chance uh, just moments after that. Zenden with a low cross right across the six-yard box. Irwin somehow scoops it out from almost under his own bar. Uh, could have been a Phil Jones classic there. Um and then uh, somehow Anderson doesn't score from about five yards out, pokes it straight at Schmeichel. There's another long shot by Rivaldo, saved by Schmeichel. This is this is all in the five minutes after the Rivaldo goal, by the way. Uh, they had such a storming sort of five, six minutes where they could have really taken the game away from United. Mm, absolutely. And United kind of cling on by, by luck and judgment, I guess. 
Um, then, then after all of that, that's is that yeah, that's that's when you we you have the the chance where Bex crosses it into York, who heads it well, and Hesp makes a pretty great save. At first, I thought York had missed it. Yeah, how does he miss um, that? But it's yeah, it's a save onto the post, isn't it? And then yeah, and that goes for a corner crucially because it is from that corner. That um, that kind of is dealt with by Barcelona, but comes out to Keane. Oh, I said he didn't have a good game, but he's made the pre-assist or whatever in in both of these games. The goals, uh, he slides it into Beckham. Perfect, absolutely. If you just close your eyes and picture a David Beckham cross, that's this this cross. Just the body shape, the the timing, the precision. Uh, it's just, he hits those so well. I mean, he does it again against Inter in the in the quarterfinal um, for at Old Trafford for United's one of United's two goals there. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just executes that skill so well to curl it around the well two defenders, first defender and the near post defender, and York knocks it in with his head. Lovely, United up again. Absolutely, and. It's such a an important goal, obviously, because now we've got a two goal cushion uh, to knock Barca out, and we're gonna need it because they don't stop knocking uh, from now on. I mean, United have other chances. In fact, well, they should have had a big chance because Cole and York link up again, uh, and Cole knocks it through to York. Now on the replay, you can't see exactly when he releases the ball, but I'm pretty sure. He was a good bit onside when the ball got released. Um, you can see why the the linesman gave it, but that would have been that would have been, I think, uh, Cole through on goal. Um, and then, I mean, unless you've got any notes beforehand, I've just, I mean, just LVG's a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> why wouldn't you want this man in your football team? I, I mean, the, the, it's just ridiculous. The uh, the third goal for Barca scored by Rivaldo. Um, I mean, it's a kind of nothing ball in as well. It's just one of those chipped balls in from Sergei, who's coming out from uh, on the left side of Barca's defence. And it, it, it's like you, you don't believe it until you've watched it again a few times and then in slow motion as well, because he controls it on his chest, but he's he's like four foot off the ground when he controls it. And in the same motion, he overheads it in. It's a, a feat of great athleticism, imagination, skill, control, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And he nearly wins it for Barca with a raking shot from distance. Uh, that Miles out, clips clips across bar, Schmeichel beaten. There's a there's a nice shot uh, after Rivaldo scores of uh, Guardiola in the stands. Didn't have much yeah. hair then either. <laughs> Rivaldo didn't have much hair either, but he had an awful lot of talent. It's Berbatov-esque, the highest praise that you can give to an overhead kick. It might even be better than Dimitar Berbatov's well, overhead it is, kick. Against. Because it's all in one movement. Yeah, it's, it's, just it's freakish, really ridiculous. The, the way he manages to do it, yeah. And, and he didn't excellent it either, in... which I think is a bonus. I think um, apart from York and Cole, who were exceptional in small bursts in this game, I mean, much like Ronaldo's performance in that 2003 game, York and Cole had this kind of incredible impact on this game in moments. Rivaldo was consistent. Rivaldo was the Zidane of this game. Like he was just consistently excellent throughout the game. I thought he had he had a really massive say in it. Yeah, yeah, great player. Yeah, 
deep, deeply misunderstood by Louis Van Gaal, Van Gaal or maybe deeply understood and just <sighs> didn't like him for that reason. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a few chances for the last 20 minutes or so of the game, but nothing huge. There's a really good chance for Andy Cole in the 92nd minute. Um, yeah. And, yeah, what a... What a win that would have been! Didn't quite come off, um, but but this yeah. is this is as good as a win, really. I mean, I guess it would have been ideal. I mean, it it worked out pretty nicely. Thank you very much. But I guess a win would have kept us out of the same group as Juventus in the second group stage. Were they in the second group stage? I forget my. There's no second group law. stage in this this year. Go straight to the quarterfinal. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, so it's got one round less than the modern Champions League. So United play Inter next, then Juve in the semi-final. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. right. It's, so it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, four draws in this group, drew all the games against Bayern, obviously played eventually in the final against Barcelona. Um, and in fact, only win five games, which is the, apparently the lowest number of games a team has won to win the tournament, but go unbeaten throughout the, the uh, tournament and played the best of the best. Absolutely, it, you know. I mean, there's hardly a major team. I guess Real Madrid. Oh yeah, we played Juventus in the second group stage, and then the game we talked about last time. That's where my brain got crossfired. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Real were the holders. You know, I didn't play them. They went out in the quarterfinal to Dynamo Kiev. Yeah. Um, I mean, so basically, all the best teams in Europe were on the way, and all the best teams in England in the FA Cup, and a really solid opposition to win the league. It's it's. It is an unparalleled achievement in English football. Like, I mean, it's literally an unparalleled achievement. But, but there's no knocks against it. What's you can't find a knock against it that holds up any water as as an incredible, staggering achievement. And this no, was it's, it's really interesting. I don't want to sound like some United conspiracy theorists on Twitter, but in the debate for greatest teams ever, which we seem to have to have every single year now, because you've always got to go up, you know, version 2.0 has to be beaten by version 3.0, doesn't it? Um, This team doesn't get mentioned. But the achievement of winning these three tournaments and only losing four games in the whole season, playing absolutely everyone of note in, in, um, in winning the Champions League, and in the FA Cup, as you say, it's just it, it's it's a magnificent achievement. I think Liverpool this year having a, you know, really the finest Liverpool side since the nineteen seventies, basically, and uh, and finding it too much for them to to um, you know match this achievement. Obviously, the season <laughs> hasn't finished, but City with like unparalleled financial resources, with one of the best coaches that's ever coached weren't able to even really get close to it you know it's I mean they won it's in, it is impressive to win all three domestic trophies that's a very impressive haul but you know the you're missing the crown jewel of the treble in in that but this is and I'm not saying this from a pie-eyed Man United perspective I hope not anyway this is like genuinely trying to be reflective re, uh, yeah reflective about it and and actually consider it in a kind of somewhat neutral way it's unbelievable and uh, this game is really this game's a sort of really interesting snapshot of the 99 season because it isn't that fluent just like the semi-final wasn't fluent but these lot I know it's the most obvious thing to say about them but they have no idea when they're beaten like you cannot 
knock the stuffing out of this team. You can't knock the self-belief for any serious length of time. And there's so much talent. There's a moment we didn't talk about because it's just a minor moment of Yapstam bringing a ball out of defence, making a tackle, continuing to burst forward. You've got weaknesses in the side, I guess, uh, at right back because the first choice central defensive partnership isn't available. But left back is one of the most consistent, like excellent players that's ever played for United. The midfield is, I mean, you've got Blomqvist instead of Giggs here, but the rest of the midfield is elite and absolutely belongs in a world 11. And that front two who kind of, who basically do a lot of donkey work for the season in a way and don't get the moments, the, the sheer, like the, you know, it's Sheringham and Solskjaer that score the winners. But this season doesn't even get close to happening without York and Cole. They are amazing in this game and amazing it's, throughout. Yeah, no, no, agree with all of that. Uh, the interesting thing is that the squad wasn't anywhere near the depth that you'd expect a 2020 squad to have. On the bench here, I mean, obviously Geese is injured and Ronnie Johnson's out and and um, who else is missing? Giggs and Janssen. Is sharing, is sharing, sharing on the bench? Yeah, must have been injured on the bench either. But Van der Gaal, Berg, Curtis, Neville, Solskjaer and Mark Wilson. I mean, it's a, it's a decent bench. You've got Solskjaer in there, Henningberg. I don't think he was a good squad player at United. Central defence right back, bit plodding. Van der Gaal, decent backup keeper. Nicky Butt obviously played, you know... Um, a very full career at United. But there's some weaknesses there as well. Curtis was never as good as perhaps many of us hoped he would after a really good debut. I remember, you know, the buzz around when after he made his debut for United. Mark Wilson, I think the best thing he ever did was score a, uh, an outrageous goal in a, in um, in uh, one of those uh, charity-friendly matches. Right. That, uh, Eric Cantona came back and played in at Old Trafford. So, highlight of your career, playing in Cantona's World Eleven and scoring a worldie. So. I mean, I'd take it. I'd bet you for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, but, you're right. But, I mean, the point being is, you know, Fergie didn't use that many players and I think he used something like 17 or 18 players across this season, which is which is bonkers, really. Yeah, I mean, the only players who are potentially first teamers that are that does is Jordi Cruyff playing for United at this point no I can't no, remember no I don't um, think so he's at Barcelona in fact I think so you've got Blomqvist who is could be a first teamer and then Nicky Butt and then Sheringham and Solskjaer and everyone else is definitely a squad option um so yeah you're you're absolutely right it isn't it isn't squad rotation and that's why perhaps I shouldn't have been surprised to look at the Sheffield Wednesday lineup and see that it was basically the same side. Um, so in the end, uh, I guess this probably won't be the last game we do from 99 because uh, I suppose we should do Turin. Like maybe we'll make Turin the last one we do. Um, in before. like September or October. Yeah, exactly. Quite a few well, games go through by before then. We have indeed. So, that's it. That was a really interesting game to watch. Um, I didn't love it from start to finish in the way that I did with the 91 game and, and the the last game we did. I, I enjoyed moments. This game was a game of, of real moments, but there was a certain lack of fluency to the overall experience. Yeah. Um, 
what's up next is an all-time yeah an all-time classic banger basically this is just a banger we haven't done a league game yet uh and where better to start than tottenham hotspur three manchester united five from september 2001 yeah so at some point we'll uh, delve back into the archives from before the premier league era absolutely um but it's all about refusing to do that because he doesn't like football in black and white (laughs) uh i just didn't want to do the 1957 fa cup final because it's such an attritional game like i mean we should do it because it's it's one of the few options opportunities to watch the busby babes 90 minutes of the busby babes but of course they lose their goalkeeper to crippling injury and the game is pretty poor as a consequence so not particularly fair reflection of their abilities overall but anyway Anyway, uh, I'm looking forward but for to this now, one. Yeah, Spurs 3, Man United 5. One of the millions of absolutely incredible goal games between Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester United over the years. So Yes, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know this, but I'm going to assume one of the all-time hairdryer moments at half-time in this game. <laughs> yeah, Because <laughs> it certainly had an effect. Anyway, more of that on Thursday's show. I'm looking forward to it. All right, we'll see you then. Patreon backers, stay tuned for more York, York and Cold chat. <laughs> 